1: Hope to uh, hand you out a slew of winners, bring you uh, news of the uh, time, and to introduce you to a guest that we've never had on before. <clears throat> her name is Raina Marie Paukar. Now, I have known her husband, Edgar for about ooh, 15 years or so, a uh, very successful jockey in the Midwest, uh, one of the great Peruvian uh, riders. Of course, uh, I put together the only track that ever had a salute to Peruvian All Stars Day. We saluted Rafael Bejarano, who started out at River Downs in Cincinnati, and we all know how well his career has gone since. And, of course, Edgar came from the same school. We had the uh, headmaster of the school come up and join us that day. Just some of the greatest riders from all over the country uh, came in, including Edgar Prado himself was there. But Raina, now she, too... Was a jockey. Uh, she started out, uh, I believe, in in the Northeast. At least I know that's where she's from. Uh, she started out with horse shows on the New England circuit, um, hunter jumpers, things like that, and uh, and then graduated into becoming a uh, a regular jock she was doing real well with the bug in philly and penn national where at that time edgar was only an exercise rider and he used to gallop a lot of the horses she would ride in the in the evening programs and then when edgar went up to boston at suffolk i think she was had a little hitch in her get along and uh, they started going out together and now they have uh, beautiful twin sons but anyhow raina uh has moved from the saddle into equine therapy she's a certified equine massage therapist uh, specializing in sports massage and biomechanics for the equine athletes so this should be very interesting she's got over 20 plus years of professional and field experience so uh i want to find out exactly what it is she did or does right now and kind of look back uh at her her pass and then see what treatments are best for the thoroughbred athlete and which one she kind of deals with the most. Uh, Then in our handicapping segment of the show – We're going to go to uh, Pete Aiello down at Gulfstream Park. Yes, uh, he's been held as one of the best modern track announcers, but I've known Pete for many, many years, and he is also one heck of a handicapper. And if you listen to the way that he calls a race, you can tell that he's really done his homework because he'll describe so-and-so putting in his patented late run or uh, so-and-so where he wants to be on the lead. Uh, So Pete puts a lot into his race calls and handicapping the horses so of course this is going to be a humongous uh week down at Gulfstream Park I should say a humongous Saturday nine stakes eight of them are graded of course the one you might be most familiar with is the fountain of youth a Big Derby Prep Race, and in here, it's going to be the 2018 debut of last year's Eclipse Award-winning two-year-old champion, Good Magic. Now, Good Magic, Chad Brown taint trainee, has not started since his upset win in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. Uh, A lot of people thought that Bolt Oro was going to get the championship. He finished third in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, but had a little bit of a better resume coming into the Juvenile. But nonetheless, it was good magic, getting the nod and getting the trophy. Uh, And Jose Ortiz was in the saddle for that Breeders' Cup. He will be in the saddle. It's the 14th at Gulfstream, I think this race goes off about six o'clock. I've got the time written down somewhere, but what a race uh, this this is going to be because uh, it's his first back, and anything can happen. Uh, you've got uh, Todd Pletcher in there with a the horse that they paid two million dollars for in Marconi, and then you have the undefeated Strike. Power from Mark Hennig's barn trying to stretch out. He's only made two lifetime starts, but one of those, a graded win, won the grade three swale stakes. And then Dale Romans, he's got three horses in the fountain of youth. Uh, his uh, strongest may well be free drop Billy who was second in the Holy Bull behind Audible, and this horse has danced some really good dances. He put in a clunker in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, but before that won the Breeders' Futurity at Keeneland, just missed by a neck in the Hopeful Stakes at Saratoga, and came in second in the Sanford Stakes. So, free drop Billy may have some upside, but all eyes will be on good magic. Then we have an Oaks Points race, and that is going to be the Devon Dale. It's a grade two, going a mile. Some of these are stretching out for the first time. And while there's a lot of talent in there, they're very lightly raced, but uh, pegged at even money is fly so high who has never even won a stakes race. A $675,000 daughter of Malibu Moon that's trained by Shug McGahee, has two one mile stakes victories, not, I mean, race victories, but both of those were 86 and 87. Buyers, where it Fly So High just ran away and cleared the field. Jose Ortiz in the saddle for the two wins and will be aboard on Saturday. Again, that's the Devon Then, uh, As time permits, I hope to get to the Mac Diarmida, I believe is what they call it. This is an 11-furlong race for older horses, and it brings out millionaire Oscar-nominated who, if you look at his past performances, has raced in nothing but graded stakes races except for one, and that was the Tropical Park Derby at Gulfstream Park uh, back in 2016 that was a while ago you've got a european shipper made one start in the u.s. and Bernay and irish bread and then sandler's joy Hard not to like. Only 14 lifetime starts with $1.2 million. So just some great racing. You're definitely going to want to pull down your easy win forms from winning ponies for Saturday's card because it is going to just offer so much value. Uh, The betting pools are going to be so huge. You can make a big bet, and it won't be driving down the odds. And, of course, the easy win forms. Uh, we, we do well at Gulfstream. Let me tell you three winners we've had just in the last week. Uh, on the 23rd, we had a $1 Super 5 box that paid 2346 and it was uh, two days before, oh no, yeah, two days before, it was a $1 Super 5 key that paid 1660 and then on the 28th, another $1 Super 5 paid $1,682. So all those were winners given out from the Easy Win forms at Gulfstream Park. So again, this Saturday is going to be the place you want to be looking at the races in Florida. There are also some other uh, races that are... Uh, that are that are worth note as far as uh, the leaderboard uh, for the Oaks. Let me get out my little handy dandy paperwork here, and uh, that would be the one sheet I can't find. Um, well, there's one at Aqueduct and one at Santa Anita. When I finally do to get my, uh, here we go. Um, the, the 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 Busher at Aqueduct, and the Santa Ysbel at Santa Anita are both 50-point contending races for the Oaks. So you may want to keep an eye on them. All right, let's uh, take a look at some news of the week. The American Horse Council announced the results of their study on the economic impact of the U.S. horse industry. It indicates that $122 billion is generated by the horse industry in North America, so you just think about that. Now, this isn't just thoroughbreds or thoroughbred racing; it's all breeds. But it just goes to show the uh, the the impact that horses have. You got to get this information to your state legislators and let them know they've got to support us and they've got to back us and they got to keep uh, the uh, the taxes down on the owners and they got to keep the. Uh, Money down, taxed on the better, so we can continue to uh, fuel this industry. All right, now I hope you've been listening over the last year or two about this horse, Winks. She's going to be going for her twenty-third straight. Yes, you heard that right. Her twenty-third straight in the Chipping Norton. Unbelievable. Now they're kind of waiting because her, her. her her jockey got in a little bit of trouble on the track and was absent for a while. And, uh, so trainer, Chris Waller said that, uh, the fact that uh, Hugh Bowman was slapped with two suspensions. He actually didn't start her earlier in the year because he couldn't ride, but uh, he will be riding in this race. So uh, this horse, just a super, super wonder horse. And they're not sure where they're going to go. They might go to England later in the year, maybe Royal Ascot. Uh, she's also nominated for the Dubai-sponsored races. So it'll be very interesting. Winks, a name that you want to remember. Well, uh, clock's kind of closing in on us. Let's get to some of the races that we looked at last week. Uh, We had a stake on Friday. Of course, we had uh, Mike Battaglia on, and I heard that Latonia Days was absolutely great at Turfway Park from the people I talked to that were there. Sadly, I had a prior commitment in Columbus, and I couldn't go, but it was a good time had by all. The best time, though, had by my friend, jockey John McKee. Uh, he had the board ride aboard Triple Crown-nominated Magical Meister, uh, who was sent away at long odds. Uh, Magical Meister, trained by former jockey Jim Chapman, uh, was able to get the mile and a 16th in the John Bataglia Memorial. Of course, this is the major prep race at Turfway Park for the uh, very important Spiral Stakes that has been named the Jeff Ruby Stakes this year. So Magical Meister has a big win, came from off the pace with him. Nice ride, Johnny McKee, 20-1 in the morning line, got up by a half a length over Sky Promise, who rallied from last. And in the third spot was the favorite, 2-1 to one, Arrow Walk. Again, that was the John Battaglia Memorial. Then uh, my friend Brian Zipsy joined me. We talked about some races uh, at Gulfstream Park in Santa Anita. At Gulfstream Park, it was the Hal's Hope, a grade three. This is for older boys. And all eyes were on Irish war cry, but not at the wire. It was Economic Mile, getting his first graded stakes win. Now, he had his head layoffs between so many races hadn't raced since october uh had some foot problems i think they plagued him through most of his year but chad brown uh has been working him with good magic the two-year-old champion so what's that tell you economic model comes back to win the grade three hails hope irish war cry a good comeback race for him hadn't been out since september of course he ran in the derby in the belmont and the haskell last year he did run second in the third spot at 25 to 1 It was Tower of Texas. Then we went out to the West Coast. It was the Daytona. And the winner in that one, at 5-1, Conquest Tsunami on the front end, trained by Peter Miller. Conquest Tsunami, his first graded stakes win. And uh, great story about this horse, Conquest Tsunami was one of the horses that was caught in the San Luis Rey fire. As a matter of fact, I guess they didn't even find him for a couple of days. So uh, they, they they finally found him. They got him back in training, and he did well uh, winning the Daytona. Uh, in the uh, second spot was Stormy Liberal, and third was the Five Calculator. And hats off to... Jose Ferrer, who won the prestigious Wolf Award, uh, which jockeys can only win at once. But the reason they like this award is it's voted on by the other jockeys uh, for people that have uh, career, personal character, and uh, has earned esteem uh, for the sport of thoroughbred racing. So uh, he's basically based at Tampa Bay Downs. Jose Ferrer, congratulations on winning the george wolf memorial award all right well we're going to take a little bit of a break and when we come back we're going to be talking to raina Paukar. i'm john englehart and you're listening to winning ponies
0: streaming live the leader in internet talk radio America.com.
2: And they're off.
0: What? Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Englehart.
1: All right, and with us here on Winning Ponies for the first time, it's uh, Raina Marie car uh, as I told you earlier she's a certified equine massage therapist specializing in sports massage and biomechanics for the equine athlete over 20 years of professional field experience with race horses and performance horses they all they all get a little hitch in their get along sometime and they need to be uh, attended to and so we're going to go into, you know, how she helps horses uh, achieve their peak performance and uh, just an overall state of well-being for whatever competition they're in. Uh, But before we do that, I want to kind of get into her background. Raina, welcome to Winning Ponies. Good to hear your voice.
3: Hi, John. Thank you for having me. Thank
1: you. I'm happy to. you got a great story. Somebody's got to write a real long story on you. So uh, it almost sounds like national velvet in the beginning. I believe you're, you're from the up in the, the northeast New England area, and you started out as a youngster. Uh, tell me about your, your very early years uh, being introduced to uh, horses.
3: Well, it started with um, hunter-jumpers. I used to ride the show circuit in Connecticut, New Jersey, Massachusetts all along that area and um that's really where my love affair with horses began my first horse was actually a big old appy cross and um I just fell in love with jumping and as I got older I kind of got the feeling I needed the need for speed so (laughs) being young and I guess wanting to go faster um I was intrigued by the racetrack. You know, I used to watch the races, and I always thought, oh, my goodness, man, I want to do that. So, yeah, that brought me to the track.
1: Uh, Now, did you just kind of walk up to some trainer one morning uh, with an exercise saddle in your hand, or how did it work?
3: No, actually, I did go to the racetrack, and um, I couldn't even get on on the backside because I didn't know anybody. So, um, I actually started at Calder, but in the back of Calder, there was a little area that they used to call Vietnam. <laughs> it was like a really, like, um, it was just a backdrop to Calder. So, I got my start back there. I started walk, hot walking horses, I learned how to groom. Um, and then from there, I got to ride around on the horse in the shed row. And then they had like a, a mini track back there. So I started to learn how to gallop on, on there from um, an ex-racehorse that was a pony. So I got my start there, and um, yeah, then I got my license and started galloping and called her.
1: So your first uh, win was back in 2002 uh, at the Meadowlands, but it sounds like you maybe you had... Uh most of your early success uh, at uh, at philadelphia penn national or parks call it what you want uh when at that time edgar was an exercise rider and he was getting the horses ready for you in the evening
3: <laughs> yeah that's so funny yeah at the time this was before he you know his career really took off um i still had the bug i was doing well and, um, there were a couple outfits that I rode for and he was actually just galloping the horses for them. And, you know, I was hitting the board with a bunch of horses and winning races. And then, um, you know, eventually he went on to Boston and then I got hurt and, um, and then I met up with him at Boston.
1: That's pretty cool. I'll tell you what, he, he's, he's, he's such a quality guy. Um, you know, I've I, very keep a close eye on, on all the riders from Peru. As I stated early in the program, you know, we were the first ones or only ones I know that I uh, had a salute to Peruvian rider day at our racetrack. And, uh, so I, I got to meet uh, the head of the school. I want to say his last name was Oro. It was so long ago. But uh, what's interesting is he he, had, he was in the Jacks room and he had all his Peruvian riders, you know, the Kamaki brothers and Edgar mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, uh, uh, Prado was there. He had them all doing these stretches and these exercises. Well, I will look out the press box window every now and then uh, before the races and I'll see somebody jogging around the track and then after that coming into the paddock, going into one of the stalls and doing stretches, and it's none other than Edgar Powkar obviously taking the lessons he learned at the Peruvian jockey school.
3: Yes. Yeah, he does a lot of work to keep himself fit. Um, he you know, he definitely goes the extra mile to stay to keep himself, you know, in optimal condition to, to ride. Yes, he does.
1: Well, uh, I want to know now, uh, Raina, about your your transition from horseback to taking care of horses' backs.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Yeah, well, it started with, um, I I would say ex-race horses in part because um, something that's near and dear to my heart is... Transitioning off the track thoroughbreds, so uh, X race horses. I rehomed my first ho- X race horse in 1999, um, and I've you know been doing that ever since as a you know side project um, to just kind of help horses find new careers afterwards. And it was at that time that I really became interested in you know the anatomy and the biomechanics of, of horses and movement. And um, I wanted to learn more about how I could help horses. It's kind of how I, you know, I fell into this.
1: So what kind of training goes into that for you to become certified?
3: Well, I studied at the Animal Rehab Institute um, in Wellington, Florida, and it's run by Arlene White, who's well-known in her field, um, is a physiotherapist and animal physiotherapist. Um, it was a really intense course, hands-on. We built clay models of horses. We built every single muscle <laughs> out of clay, and we had to name all the functions. And um, we did a lot of hands-on work, obviously. So it was it was really, really intense. And um, you know, through that, uh, we had to have a certain percentage to get our certification. And you know, I passed, obviously. <laughs> so yeah.
1: So now, uh, tell me, you know, like, like, like in a day's work, let's say with, with a thoroughbred, would, would a trainer contact you and come in and say, hey, I think this horse is off a little behind, or he seems to be shortening stride, uh, he just seems to be sore, and how can, how, how can you kind of diagnose and find out where those hot spots are, and then what do you do?
3: So, massage therapists don't diagnose, and it, it really depends. Um, we work with the veterinarians. if it's a horse that's coming back off of a you know a serious injury, um, you know we usually most most therapists will consult the veterinarian and speak to them and go from there. always, always always go with the vet first. Um, if it's just a horse that's already sound, he's, you know he's just a little tight, maybe he's not changing leaves. You know, something like that, his shortest, his uh, stride is short. Um, I'll go ahead and just start feeling around on the horse to see. With most thoroughbreds, um, there's, you know, there's always a lot of tension in the muscles. And you can just by, you know, running your hands over the horse, obviously, um, you have to be skilled to do it. The more experience you get, the better you get. You, you kind of feel where they're off or where they're short or where you need to help them, um, adjust. You know, you know, the bottom line is if you want your horse to win races, they need to stay sound and they need to do their best. You know, obviously it's a team effort. While the trainer helps to condition the horse and get them to their optimal fitness and the vet helps the horse with any health or medical needs or whatever. Um, and even the exercise rider, they report any issues with range of motion. And I might even talk to the uh, rider if, you know, the horse is, you know, consistently with the same person every day. And from there, you kind of get a feel of where the horse is at and where to go in and start, you know, checking around on the horse to see where you can help
1: them. Okay. Now, what is it you're physically doing? Like, I went in last week, I've got a pinched nerve in in my back and shoulder. And, I, and mm-hmm. I went in for, for a massage and I'll be honest with you, I think she aggravated it more than she helped it. Uh, how, how do you find out, you know, when is enough enough? Because I mean, in my case, I, you know, I, was, I thought, well, I'll come out of here after. It was just a 15 minute massage, you know, feeling good. And I'm telling you, she must have hit something that just made it worse. How, how do you d- differentiate between that fine line?
3: Well, the thing is, is there's different types of massage, there's sports massage and then there's Swedish massage. Sports massage is really geared towards the athlete, whether that's an equine athlete or a human or what have you. But there are different techniques that, um, you know, say if you need to loosen up uh, fascia, uh, fascia, that can be, you know, a little bit rough. But sometimes it's it's really necessary to get you nice and, and loose and get you healing properly. And, you know, sports massage is definitely, it's a more vigorous approach to treating the muscles. Um, and the techniques and the manipulations are specific to athletes. So, you know, sometimes it's, it's it, I won't say it's, a, it's always pleasant. You know, if you want pleasant, you're looking more towards like a calming Swedish type of massage. A sports massage is meant to improve the range of motion in a horse or a person and to increase performance. You know, by, you know, you grant freedom to the restricted muscles. And sometimes it, it hurts a little bit. You know, to loosen it up, but you'll be feeling much, much better the next day or the day after.
1: Okay, I hope you're right. I hope you're right. No, right now I'm I'm on one of those tens units, trying to get like MagnaWave therapy or something. Uh, this thing's driving me crazy, but I I'll I'll survive. So, uh, drink a
3: glass of water.
1: <laughs> you know, they told me that too, and so did my doctor. He said when it's you got one of those, important. you got to drink a lot of water. Now there is water in Miller Lite, right? No. <laughs>
3: Isn't that all water? No, <laughs> that's not his <your> sponsor. <laughs> yeah, no. No, pure water. Pure water. That's really the okay. best. Okay,
1: All right. I'll, I'll put this down and go get a bottle of water. Uh, <laughs> so, Raina, where are you located? And if somebody wanted to contact you, how would they contact you?
3: Well, I'm in Ohio. I'm actually located close to uh, Mahoney. So that's the Hollywood Casino area. So uh, northeast Ohio. But uh, in the summer times, um, I'll probably be going down to the Cincinnati area. So I'm all over the place. <laughs> if uh, if I have, you know, more than one horse to do, I'll, I'll pretty much travel anywhere.
1: Okay. Well, uh, Raina Marie Powkar, it's been a real pleasure having you on and learning about your uh growth in the horse business, and uh, your, your current situation as a massage therapist, uh, I want to thank you, wish you best of luck, if I can get you some connections in the Cincinnati area, I will, and make sure oh, you say you. Uh, hi to Edgar for me, and uh, I'm glad you got that picture of when he was holding the twins in the winter circle, because I understand he couldn't do that anymore.
3: <laughs> no, now the boys are just about as big as us, so yeah, that's not going to happen.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, thanks so much. That's been uh, uh, Raina Marie Powkar joining us. And now we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk to the man with the mic, the mellow fellow, my favorite announcer, Pete Aiello. (laughs)
0: the Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com
2: And they're off!
0: What?
1: All right, and I'm back with me, uh, gentlemen, I get to call a friend, uh, but what of many have been calling uh, perhaps uh, one of the, the best announcers in North America. I remember him when he was an up-and-comer, but uh, Pete's no longer looked as an up-and-comer in the sport. He's, he's a made man, and all you have to do is listen to him. And as I told you earlier in the show, you could tell Pete does his homework by the way he calls a race. He understands who should be where, when, and he lets you know that during the running of the race, particular styles or when jockeys call upon for effort or, or horses that, that need the lead for speed. And can they, can they stretch it out? Can they get that extra 16th of a mile? I mean, uh, I've watched him over the years. I've listened to him and he really does do his homework. So, We're not just talking to a track announcer here. We're talking to a guy that does know how to handicap the horses, and he's able to take that talent and put it into his colorful and uh, succinct race call. So with me right now uh, from down near Gulfstream Park, where he's going to be a very busy man on Saturday, none other than Pete Aiello. Pete, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, especially
2: after that unbelievable introduction. I thank you very much for that. There's no higher praise in my business than when somebody makes a comment like that, uh, especially a guy that I have as much respect for as you. Because I do wow. definitely try to pride myself on telling everybody who's where and if that's where they need to be. So if that's where they need to be part, I think is maybe something that maybe sets me apart from a little, uh, a couple of my colleagues in the sense that uh, I'm pretty in tune with the way a horse is traveling and I try to be anyway and we had a race yesterday that came to mind when you were discussing that a horse that was one to five that didn't get the trip he wanted and I pretty much made mention of
1: that about a half a mile before he ran off the board. (laughs) I'm sure a lot of the people that uh, had a ticket on him said, yeah, Pete's right. He's not not supposed to be where he is. Well, I think you're going to have to eat a real big breakfast or early lunch on Saturday. The action at Gulfstream Park starts at 1.30. And tell me if I counted right. Are there eight graded stakes?
2: There might be eight graded stakes. I know the official tally is nine total stakes. 14 races, 11.30 a.m. first post time. Um, so I'll I'll have to uh, manage my bathroom breaks, and that's not even really a joke. Everything is so fast and furious on weekends at Gulfstream that it's just one race right after the other, so it really becomes a situation of not trying so much to memorize the horses that are coming up as much as forgetting the ones that just ran.
1: I always remember Kevin Gomer uh, telling me that back in the day, uh, that uh, what you've got to do is just wipe the slate clean because you put all your energy into memorizing these horses and calling this race. But when it's over, clear your mind because you're about to do it all over again with a fresh set of horses and a fresh set of circumstances. Um, I I do want to know, is there a bathroom near your booth in Gulfstream? Yeah, it's down the hall a little bit. I have to kind of, uh,
2: and I'm sure some of the listeners will uh, laugh at this in a good sort of way, I have to kind of manage the zero minutes to post. I have to know when it's actually zero minutes and when it's time to use the bathroom.
1: Well, you know, Kevin used to mess with me uh, up in the... uh the announcer's booth there we pretty much hung out together all day long and a lot of times i'd put the horses on the track for him uh if he did want to take a break or something but sometimes he'd be right outside the door and he knew it. I did. He had already memorized the horses down in the steward's office, which was the floor below us. And I'm looking over mm-hmm. my shoulder, looking over my shoulder, and four horses are already loaded in the gate. And I'm like, oh, crap, i got to grab the binoculars and start you know, memorizing. He'd walk in when horse number 10 loaded in, snatch those binoculars out of my hand, and call the race like he'd been in there for 15 minutes.
2: <laughs> I love that. I have very similar stories myself, although sometimes with me it's more of a matter of, uh, I get, uh, I shouldn't admit this, but it's true, and people have called me out on it, so it might as well come clean. But, you know, with, uh, with a, the soft post time as I like to call it, uh, sometimes I get daydreaming, and it's not even a situation of, uh, of, uh, needing to finish memorizing or using the bathroom or what have you. I'm just kind of, uh, especially with the bigger race cards, I just blank out, and then next thing I know, there is only two left to load. So I have to kind of pretend that I am Kevin and just smoothly walk into it, the last two to load or so and so. So.
1: <laughs> well, the stakes action starts at one with the very one stakes. I mean, uh, are you going to sleep with a racing form under your pillow on Friday?
2: Well, I was actually going to tell you. You're going to have to lead me through this. I probably know every horse in the in the entire card, but I'm I'm in the, just finished a function, so I don't have the form in front of me. But that doesn't matter, as you know. My steel trap memory just toss a few names out at me, and I can I can definitely uh, talk 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 turkey with
1: you. Uh, I, I will do that well I, I picked out uh, three races uh, two that have really nice points for the Oaks and the Derby and and one that, that that's a grueling 11 uh, furlong grass race uh, uh, for for older horses that really has brought together a, a, a talented field and uh, so uh, you, I don't know if you want to start with the with the Fountain of Youth, uh, the Divina Dell or uh, the Mac Deer Mita, If I'm saying that right, uh, give me a, let me know because I want you to be in your comfort zone. Either way, you hit me hit me with your best shot, as Pat Benatar would say. <laughs> All right, well, uh, let, let's start. Uh, Captain Obvious with the Obvious, and that is the seasonal debut of two-year-old champion Good Magic. Uh, Chad Brown's been bringing him wrong slowly at, at, at Palm Meadows and uh, seems to be picking it up a little bit with the, with every work after he put a bullet in back there in late January. Uh, I saw some pictures of this horse working. My God, he is a magnificent Looking thoroughbred, so the bullet's on his back, but it's his first race since the Breeders' Cup, you know, where where he he, he uh, you know. Put, put it in the upset win over both the Oro, and to the surprise of some, became the two-year-old champion. Uh, but, God, he looks fantastic in his works. But then you've got some interesting horses, and I'll just kind of bring them up, and we can talk about several of them. Um, I think a, a horse that could be a question mark in here, no doubt about it, it and I don't have any odds in front of me, uh, is Strike Power, Mark, mark Henningsburn? This yep. horse came out Absolutely. in his a, yeah, and so you've seen this horse run his only two career races. Uh, his uh, maiden was an eight-length romp. where He got a 102 buyer. That was at five and a half. Then they stretch him out to seven in the swale stakes. Now, it seems like fewer and fewer trainers are using sprints to get their horses ready for uh, the Derby Road. They used to do that a lot in the past. Uh, they haven't lately, and, and in return, it seems like they're not getting points for seven furlong races. uh, uh For the Kentucky Derby, but the Swale Stakes, very, very impressive. So, just tell me visually uh, what you saw and what you liked about Strike Power. Well, when Strike Power
2: met, ran his first race, he, he impressed pretty much everybody within a 400-mile radius. Uh, I know that Mark was really, really happy with him, but he, he thought he had him right, but he didn't know that he had him that right when he, when he won the day that he won when he broke his maiden. And then everybody was expecting him to win the Swale by you know, 10, 12, 14 lengths and kind of uh, justify the hype. And he definitely justified the hype, but the thing about it is he had to work a lot a lot harder to do that, so... Uh, the thing about horses like that, John, is that he's done everything they've asked him to do. They're going to throw some more at him, and uh, as you like to say, try not to bet a horse that's doing something he's never done before, but the problem with the three-year-old division is there's going to be a lot of times where there's a lot of horses who are doing things they've never done before, so I think it kind of normalizes itself out. I think he's a really, really talented racehorse. I'm not sure he's a two-turn horse, though, but I've been wrong about that before.
1: All right. Well, uh, you know, very good pedigree. Uh, now, let, let's, go, let, let's go to the fact that uh, usually it's a uh, Todd Pletcher that has three horses in a stakes race. Uh, in, in, in the Express Bed Fountain of Youth, it's going to be Dale Romans who has three. And without a doubt, a uh, horse that comes into the race with an excellent resume, just shy of a half a million dollars, is Free Drop Billy, who has been dancing everywhere from uh, Saratoga, To Keeneland, to Delmar, uh, won the Breeders' Futurity at Keeneland, was close seconds in the Hopeful and Sanford at Saratoga, just threw in a clunker in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, not sure what what happened there, Uh, but then came back and put in a solid race, you saw it, in the uh, Holy Bull, won by Audible impressively.
2: Holy Bull was an interesting race in the sense that Audible was uh, a very impressive winner, but he wasn't expected to be. So that's always a that's always a key handicapping angle. When a horse wins like he did, uh, is he really that good, or is, uh, is maybe some of the other horses didn't fire their best shot? I think the answer to that, at least in respect with the Holy Bull, is probably a combination of the two. Audible was laying on or near the lead that day. I can't remember if he actually cut the fractions, but he was darn sure close enough. And speed was good that day. And I know that. I missed a key opportunity for a great race call when Free Drop Billy loomed right up alongside and then Audible pulled away. In hindsight, I probably should have said that uh, Free Drop Billy made a blitz to the lead and Castellano called on an Audible. Um, I thought that would have been much better, but of course I thought of that two hours after the race. But um, I think, I think, I think for me, John, I think that Free Drop Billy going into the Fountain of Youth for my money is going to be very similar what I expect good magic to be like going into the Florida Derby, where he had a good race off the layoff, and he they wanted him to run well, but they didn't need him to win the race, and now he's going to take that next logical step forward to try to peak on the first Saturday in May. I personally do not believe that Chad Brown's target for good magic is the fountain of youth. I think he's going to take a lot of money. I think he's a really, really nice horse. I think he's still maturing. Which is the comments that you made about how good looking he is. I don't, I think he's starting to feel himself a little bit. And I just think from what I've seen, you know, he brings Chad Brown brought Lewis Bay off over a 365 day layoff to win here earlier in the meet. And we all know what he's done with or what he did with the remarkable lady Eli. So he can get one ready. But by the same token, I don't know that that's his MO and I don't know that that's his target for this race. So. I think that the race is ripe for an upset, and it's certainly ripe for horses like you brought mentioned Strike Power, that are going to take a next step forward. I think a horse that, at least to me visually, is really impressive was a horse that uh, just broke his maiden. It's being thrown to the wolves, but I think he has the talent to handle it, and it's a horse named uh, He Takes Charge for Mark Cassie. He did a pretty good field of maidens in that particular race last time out, and he did it with his ears up. The margin doesn't tell the story. He didn't win by very far, but he won very easily. And anytime uh, time you see the horse's ears going back and forth, he kind of hit the front and went, wait, what am I doing here? Um, so I think that he still has a lot to learn, but the potential is there for him, and he'll be a big price.
1: All right, and he's got a guy you touted on me well over a year ago, Tyler Gaffleone, regular rider in the saddle. Now, here's another one. Again, we can talk about good magic <clears throat> as the highlight, but the $2 million baby who's got to prove himself or not, and that is Marconi. This is the only horse that... Uh, uh, Todd Pletcher has in the race. And this time of year, he's probably got to do his best to keep his horses away from each other so they can all get, you know, derby points and, uh, and and not beat each other up. So Marconi's the only Pletcher horse in here. Of course, I already mentioned the $2 million price tag. Um, he looked like he was going to run to that after his second start equipped with Blinkers and Javier Castellano came back in his debut this year ran uh third in the withers castellano gets back on today now he ran against some two highly touted east coast horses in avery island and Free Zen's fire in that race uh is this uh, a make it or break it for marconi
2: i don't know i do i do agree with one thing you said todd certainly has his hands full with uh all of his different three-year-old prospects and how he has to manage all of them. I was just talking to somebody the other day that he has a really nice three-year-old named Gleason that's only broke his maiden, and he did that at Tampa, so he might be flying a little bit below the radar. And of course, I'm in tune to that because he did the same thing with Always Dreaming last year, break the maiden at Tampa. Nobody knows who he is, and then ran him in an allowance race at Gulfstream. we going on to win the Florida Derby, and then the kentucky derby so i'm kind of trying to see if i can get that history to repeat itself and i asked where gleason was going to run if he was going to run in the tampa bay derby or the fountain of youth or what the plans were and the response that i got from our news media was he doesn't even know what he's going to do with that horse and i remember that talking about audible who won the holy Bull. he wasn't keen on getting audible to stretch out because he was kind of surprised that he ran and won so well going the two-turn distance of the holy Bull. so (laughs) <laughs> I think Todd's in a very envious position right now. He's got a lot of different horses to do a lot of different traveling with.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the other question is: is uh, how many gray tappets might be in the starting gate for the Kentucky Derby? They're everywhere, <laughs> from Oak Lawn to Santa Anita to Gulfstream Park. Well, we'll just top this out. You already alluded to the fact that good magic is going to be going to be bet heavily uh you know he's being touted hard in the media he was the two-year-old champion uh looks like he's training very well uh chad brown is not a name people scratch their head anymore and say who's this chad brown guy uh he's winning a 26 percent clip down in your neighborhood uh good magic jose ortiz you got to be pretty impressed with the ortiz boys down there I sure are. I
2: sure am. And, you know, it's funny to me because they have, at least in my mind, they, they, they have two very different personalities and they have two very different riding styles. But the one thing that they have in common is that they're both great guys and they're really passionate about the game. But it's uh, it's interesting to me day in and day out to watch the different styles. I would argue that Jose is the more finesse of the two and Irad Ortiz Jr. would be the more aggressive of the two. And it kind of fits with their personality because Jose is a bit more reserved and Irad is a bit more outspoken. So, it's definitely been fun to watch them uh, get to spend the winter together all, all year long.
1: That that's that, that's pretty neat, you know, because we're going to be listening about these guys for a long time to come. Well, we're talking with uh, Pete Diello, who's going to be a very very busy man at Gulfstream Park on Saturday. Uh, I don't know when I've seen eight graded stakes races on a card, but you're going to see it on Saturday. Uh, I'm John Engelhart. Uh, this, you're listening to Winning Pronies. We're going to take a little bit of a break, and we'll be back with uh, the man at the mic, the mellow fellow, Pete Aiello.
0: Stimulating talk. Gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. VoiceAmerica.com. The internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart.
1: Uh, we're talking about the outstanding card at Gulfstream Park and the homework he's going to have to do for all these uh, eight graded stakes races, which is just phenomenal. It's going to be, a, I, I think your handle is going to be through the roof, Pete, because people are going to be betting into this card and doing multiple wagers. Uh, there's so many races. Uh, uh, it's going to be, all I know is I'm going to be with you all afternoon, not in Gulfstream, but in front of a television set. Uh, it's it's going to be a fantastic afternoon, and I, I do wish you nothing but the best. Now we just talked about, a, you know, a key Derby uh, prep in the Express Bet Fountain of Youth. Uh, another key uh, race for the Oaks is going to be the one-mile Devon Dale. It's a Grade Two, and hard to believe that we've got an even money shot in here—a horse that's never even competed in a stakes race—and that's Fly So High. But you did see this Shug McGahey trainee uh win her last race at by uh, easy five and a half furlongs in an optional claimer
2: yeah she was really impressive that afternoon and i know that are real high on her and the thing about Sugar is that he's an old school horseman i mean uh he's one of those guys that does do as you touched on earlier about um using sprints to set up for a route that is something that he's not uh averse to doing so even money may be a little strong but she's certainly talented and the forward gal, as we talked off-camera, off-air, I should say, that the forward gal is a, a key component of this race, is a lot of the horses that ran in that race are running back. To me, just on a overall race standpoint, I wasn't a big fan of that race, so the fact that Fly, uh, Fly So High is not coming out of that race and was very visually impressive last time out, I think mean, she's worthy, but I don't know about even money.
1: Well, you know, I am a fan of the buyer uh, numbers, and this horse has uh, gotten faster and faster every time. And I I don't think she had to be used too much in that optional claimer going a mile. uh, Jose Ortiz will be in the saddle. Uh, Let me throw a a couple at you. Let's just talk about the forward gals, gals, since so many are coming out of this race, uh, including the winner, take charge Paula out of the Karen McLaughlin barn
2: yeah, if I remember correctly, I don't want to misquote him, but he has' didn't have her for more. I can guarantee you this. He didn't have her for more than ten days uh, once when she ran in the forward gal last time. So he was really taken back by the way that she won. He was expecting her to run well, but I mean, she blew the doors off that field. So um I know that Kieran was really encouraged and excited with the performance. What did she beat? I don't know if I can tell you that, but I do think one thing for, was for sure. The three-year-old Philly picture is a lot more muddled than the three-year-old male division, at least in my mind, because, you know, some horses that I have my eyes on are, just to give you the names, if you ever see them in the overnight anywhere, Cipriana and Cilantro. I think you're going to hear big-time things from both of those horses. Cipriana's from the barn of Mark Henning, and then Todd Pletcher has Cilantro. So neither one of those are in the in the Devona Dale, to my knowledge, and uh, I, I think very much of both of
1: those um well uh, uh second in the forward gal was was sultry who's got a lot of experience but just going back to who did they beat pete you know when i'm looking at these uh this race in particular most of these phillies are only in like the 70s as far as their speed figure uh is concerned so yeah uh, mud muddled is uh, a, a good word to say now here's one we don't know anything about but you got to watch it run at seven furlongs uh it was a half a million dollar yearling uh trained by mark hennig windstar farm bred cash is the name of the horse javier castellano was aboard for this maiden win but it did record a solid 77 buyer for first time out that's not bad at seven furlong stretch into a mile do you remember that race with cash
2: yeah, I sure do. She was really impressive. And I know you're know, going back to Mark Henning. He has two nice fillies. Cash is one of them and Cipriana is the other one. Last I knew, he liked Cipriana better. So I don't know if uh, he's trying to see where he's at with Cash or if uh, Cipriana may be at a bump in the road or whatever. But he's got uh, those two fillies. And then, of course, we touched on the horse that he's going to run in the Fountain of Youth as well. So uh, he's a Grove City native, if I remember right, John. So it's a yes, he is. Good Mark Henning.
1: Yes, he is. Grove City, Ohio graduate. Okay, well, that's looking at the Divina Dale. Only got about two minutes left, and I mean, I'm putting a lot on Pete's place, plate for a guy that doesn't have a racing form in front of him. So I'm just going to throw out, first of all, I always screw the name of this race up, the McDermita. How do I pronounce that?
2: Uh, McDermita is what I go with, and no one's corrected me, so I think it's got to be close.
1: <laughs> well, in here, you know, it looks like we got a, a really good layoff horse and Sadler's Joy. A horse who, in 14 career starts, has amassed $1.2 million, likes Gulfstream. Got to call this uh, horse last year, just missed in the William McKnight, and uh, did win the Pan American. But it's coming in off a layoff, and this horse likes to come from way out of it. I don't know if that's going to be a negative coming into this race or not, asking it to go 11 furlong.
2: Well, I can tell you this. You you just hit the nail on the head in terms of what I think is a key handicapping angle in this race. You have not been able to close an abundance of ground on the turf course here at Gulfstream Park the last couple of weeks. It's just not been something that's been effective. You can win. It's not necessarily, I wouldn't go so far as to call it a bias per se, but uh, it's not a bias the other way either, where traditionally turf courses tend to favor horses that come from off the speed. It's not been the case at Gulfstream And one of the things that I will say, and I'll say it again for your listeners, I said it the last time I came on the program, and it's so important. And uh, I don't know the answer to that because I said I don't have the form in front of me, but there's two distinct turf course settings, as it were, at Goldstream Park. They have the inside setting, which is the the setting we tend to use for graded stakes races, and then we have the outer setting. For my money, this is not scientifically proven, this is just me watching races day in and day out, for my money... The inside course um, favors speed a lot better than the outside course does.
1: All right. Well, we've been talking with Pete Aiello. It looks like the horse will probably be favored uh, in, in the max and which I just screwed up again, is going to be Oscar nominated. Even though he drew the 12-hole, uh, this horse has just been phenomenal. $1.4 million in 24 starts. Uh, it could be a kitten's joy exacta. Pete, hey, I know you're just coming out of an engagement that you're in. I really appreciate you taking the time to be with some Winning Ponies. And just know that I'll be right there in the announcer's booth with you all day on Saturday. Wish you best of luck.
2: Thanks a lot, John. Great to talk to you as always.
1: All right, that's Pete Aiello. Saturday at Gulfstream, pull down your easy win forms. Want to thank uh, Raina Powkar. Want to thank our producer, Josh, that's kept me on uh, time, I do believe. And want to thank you for listening to Winning Ponies. If your friends missed the show, tell them to pick it up on podcast. Remember, when you go to the races, bet with your head, not over it.